0: Praise the King, praise the King, praise the King. Okay, welcome to Tuesday Night Bible Study. We're going to come to the Lord. We're going to talk about the Word here in just a minute. Uh, We get everybody situated here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you and praise you for a beautiful day, the beautiful rain that you sent, Lord. Again, we thank you for all The the beautiful green grass and everything and how it waters the trees and restores the water in the lakes. We want you to know, Lord, we are grateful. You know, we are so grateful for all this. And, Lord, we realize as your children the seriousness of you not open the windows of heaven and pour out these blessings upon us. But, Lord, help us in your body, in your church, to walk holy and obedient to your word so you will pour out the blessings upon us. Because you promise us if we will obey you that you will forgive us and you will heal our land. So, Lord, we thank you and praise you for these promises and help us to walk holy. Lord, as we study your word tonight, may you touch our hearts with your word that we truly may strive to become more holy children, to walk in obedience to your word. Lord, as we talk a little bit about you tonight in the Old Testament, we will see a God that used to be really A God of wrath and anger whenever the people didn't do what they were supposed to do. And Lord, we know you're an awesome God and we know you can still go there today. But Lord, we want to please you. We want to make you happy. We don't want to do anything that would upset you. We want to be holy and obedient in your presence so that you will bless us in everything we do. Because Lord, we love to be blessed and not cursed. And we thank you and praise you, Lord, for sending Jesus so we can do these wonderful things in the, in the name of Jesus, if we can do it. So Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for sharing it with us, and touch and open our hearts as we read it tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. amen. <laughs> now then I'm going to continue to talk a little bit more tonight about some of the things that uh, I have been confronted with uh, in the past and uh, the not not the too distant past at all I mean. You know, I've had uh, several people that have confronted me with this issue that I teach about sin and sickness. Uh, you know, some people don't believe the two are associated at all. But let me tell you, they are. The the, the Definitely the two are associated. You know, you can go back in the Old Testament. And in fact, uh, Dave and I was just reading through, I guess it was last night or not before last, not before last, I guess. We were reading through the 18th chapter of Ezekiel and in the 18th chapter of Ezekiel the Lord said over and over the soul that sins shall die. I mean he said that over and over and over. And just in that one chapter, he said the sin that the soul that lives righteous shall live. But he said and one of the things that was so awesome to me, he said if the righteous live throughout their life And they serve me. And then in their later years decide to turn their back on me. He said they will lose all of their rewards and they will die in their iniquity. You'll have no rewards. No word, you've got to walk holy before God through the whole thing. There's gonna be a lot of people that think they're okay today. That think they're washed in the blood of Jesus, that one day when they die, they ain't even not, not only are they not going to get to go home and reap their rewards, there ain't going to be no rewards. Some of those people ain't even going to heaven. They're going to open their eyes in a flaming torment, and they're going to think they was okay, but they was not. Because they're going to be judged based upon the Word of God. And that's what's scary. So, I'm trying my best to teach it exactly like it's written. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, put whipped cream on the top of it or nothing else. I'm not trying to do all that. I want you to know your power and authority because you have great and awesome power and authority if you walk in obedience to His Word. But it only works if you walk in obedience to His Word. If you don't, it will not work for you and it will bring forth death. Now, then, we're going to start out in Deuteronomy. This is uh, chapter 29, Deuteronomy twenty-nine nineteen, And I want to show you some things here. We're going to read several verses here. I don't exactly know how far down, but we're going to read a few verses here. But in Deuteronomy chapter 29, <laughs> verse 19, "...and it come to pass, when he heareth the words of this curse..." In fact, if Dave's got those on, I'll just read it off of the deal. "...and it comes to pass, when he heareth the words of this curse..." That he blessed himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. The Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man. Isn't it amazing how God puts these words in here? You know, the anger of the Lord will smoke. I mean, think about that a minute. I mean... If you, if he gets mad enough that his anger is smoking, I I don't want him after me. Do you, Deborah? You know, I mean, but here he's, he, the Lord will not spare this man, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. He's going to take his name out of the book. That's scary, isn't it? But that's what that says. Now, then, if you sin and the Lord get, got angry with you, he would take your name out of the book. And in the New Testament, over the book of Revelation, he made a statement just like that. He will blot your name out of the book. So I don't want him to blot mine out. You know, I want him to put mine in there and I want mine to stay there. So let's go on another verse. And the Lord shall separate him unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law. All of the curses. Now boy, there's a lot of them. And look why he's going to do this. So that the generation to come of your children that shall rise up after you and the stranger that shall come from a far land shall say when they see the plagues of that land and the sickness... Which the Lord has laid upon it. Now, the plagues and the sickness—that scripture. Who laid it upon it? The Lord. You got to give him the credit for it, don't you? He takes credit for it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. Let me just ask this question. Last week we talked about many of these kind of places where it says the Lord put the sickness upon them. He put the plagues upon them. He put the torment upon them. He did all these things. He, God, he did this. And all you got to do is just read the Bible like it's written. You Don't try to prove it wrong. I mean, I think about one of the Scriptures we're going to read tonight. I know a man wrote a book to prove that God didn't mean what He said. But hey, I don't think you need to write a book to say God didn't mean what He said. He wrote a book to tell us He meant what He said. And so you don't have to write another book trying to disprove that He don't mean what He says. Because He means exactly what He says. And if He put these plagues... And the sickness upon this land, why did he say he put all this on these people? Because of their sin, all the things they did, and then to prove to the stranger that come in and to the children that was raised up, look at this. What is wrong? Why is so much sickness and disease all over this place? He said, tell them. Because of the curse that come upon them. Because of their disobedience. Because of their rebellion. So you don't go there. It's amazing, isn't it? He does not want us to go there. Okay, let's go down. I think that's far enough on that one. Uh, let's, let, let me go to another one, Dave. Let's go to... Uh, oh, let's go a little further on that one. Let's go a little further. Down uh, a couple more verses. Uh, go down 23. And that the whole land therein is brimstone and salt and burning that it is not sown, nor bareth, nor any grass grow therein, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he talks about this Amad and Zebulun, which the Lord overthrew in His anger and in His wrath. Now then, have we seen any country like this around here lately? You know, that when God would seem to get a little upset with us, we have had land here in all over. It's either barren, I mean, I mean... Out there on Ty's ranch, there was a two or three years there, you almost didn't have no grass, did you, Ty? I mean, last year didn't have none. Yeah, never did turn green. And, I mean, he prayed, he fasted, he done everything. But why do you think that God wouldn't hear our prayers? We all prayed. Why do you think he didn't hear our prayers? Because our nation is so wicked. You know? And he tells us that in some of these places. So let's go down another verse or two there, Dave, 24. Even all nations shall say, Wherefore hath the Lord done this unto this land? What meaneth the heat of this great anger? But you know, today, nobody asks that question. You know, when something happens to a nation, nobody even thinks about it. I wonder why the Lord did this to that nation. They don't, nobody say that today, do they? I didn't hear a single person say even on. CNN or anywhere else, and I did watch a little television when we had the, the Gulf Coast disaster, when all the storms were down there, and it tore up everything and all the stuff. I never heard, I, I didn't hear anybody say, I wonder what we've done as a nation to sin that would cause God to do such a thing. Question, uh, that Just, Just a second, just a second, so everybody can hear you, especially with the rain uh, on the roof. It's a little, little noisy, so use a mic. Uh, the students,
1: can you hear me? Yeah. The students that got shot, uh, 33 of them, oh. well, they had a Muslim and a Buddhist and had uh, a Jewish lady, I think, and then had a supposedly Lutheran Christian and no mention of Jesus' name. In fact, the Lutheran didn't even mention God's name. And no mention of Jesus' name at all.
0: Well, okay, now, uh, what he just said... Yeah, what he just said... I, I only heard a, 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 a person tell me last night that they just recently had uh, the worst disaster in history in America. Somebody walked in and killed thirty three people or something like that. I, maybe you all heard about that already, but I hadn't heard about it until last night when some a gentleman told me that that, but I hadn't heard it.: in it, was there, was there the work it? Oh yes, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. The man I was talking with, that's, he was a newscaster, and he mentioned that to me. But, of course, you know, I don't watch television. In fact, whenever, when, when he came to me Saturday at the healing school, he came up and wanted to hug me, and he, he said, you, you don't know who I am? I said, no, I have no idea who you are. And he said, well, you don't watch television, do you? I said, no, no, I don't watch television. He said, I'm a Channel 5 newscaster. I said, well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the healing school. You know, so uh, that's why I tell Cheryl, you know, I don't want to know who gives what to the ministry. You keep the records. I don't care who gives what, because if somebody comes in and gives $10,000, and somebody comes in and gives $1, and then the man that gives $10,000 said, I need an hour of your time, I might have to say, hey, I've got to give him the time, but the guy gave me a dollar. I said, I ain't got time for you. But if I don't know who gives nothing, then I can treat everybody exactly the same. And so, and so that's, I don't want to, I don't want to get into a rut with nobody saying, hey, I will meet with you because you're male, female, white, black, you know, because you've got money, you don't have money. Hey, I could care less. When I look at you, you're a child of God. And if you've got a need, I'm here to help you any way I can. I don't care who you are. But anyway, and even all nations shall say that. Then the men shall say, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord. I mean, they know. We don't know today, do we? We don't know why these devastating things happen. Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which He made with them when He brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. Now, we stop there in just a second. And I'm going to tell you, I was in church a lot of years of my life, and I had never, ever heard that I had a covenant with God. I didn't know I had one. I didn't know it. I'd never heard the covenants taught on. Never in my life. And I'd been in church all of my life. You'd think somewhere along the line one of them preachers would have talked about a covenant. But he never did. So I didn't know I had a covenant. And so then it's for they went and served other gods and worshiped them, gods whom they knew not and whom he had not given unto them. And so, verse 27. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land to bring upon it all the curses that are written in this book. Now, if you've ever read the book about the curses, I mean, there's some serious stuff in there. And he is, especially Deuteronomy 28, I mean, from verse 15 to about verse 65, I mean, I can't hardly read those without getting sick, Richard. And I don't get sick. (laughs) But it's terrible. You know, what God says He'll put upon you, you know, if you don't, do what He says. And, and it's just absolutely amazing. But anyway, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses uh, 14. Start with verse 14. Deuteronomy 30, verse 14. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. And uh, we're getting there, slowly but surely. But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. Now, how close is this? That's right. It's in our mouths and in our heart. Now then, it doesn't change when we come to the New Testament, does it? I mean, that same scripture is written in Romans chapter 10. Same exact scripture, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is nigh thee, is even in your mouth and in your heart. The word of faith that we confess. Our power is in our mouth. Our confession is there because Jesus is in us. But here, if still, the word is very nigh unto thee. It is in your mouth and in your heart that you mayest do it. And verse 15. See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. Now, who set this before us? The Lord did. Then he says, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess. Now then, you see back up back up back where we were there, the in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God. Do you see a commandment in the new covenant that comes right along parallel with that? What is the first commandment in the new covenant? It ain't changed, has it, Dan? Not a thing. He hasn't changed nothing. God is still exactly the same. He commands you and me to love Him first and to put Him first. Now, some of you know that we've done a teaching called The, the Greatest Killer in the, the church and today. And the greatest killer in the church today is missing that point right there. You're a born-again Christian, you go to church on Sunday. Maybe you go to church every Sunday. You're really a good Christian, but the other six days of the week, you're out there in the world. And you know, I had a great Christian man that went to the church I went to, and him and his wife was in church every Sunday morning and every Sunday night. And if you'd asked me what was one of the best, who was one of the best members of that church, I'd have told you that man. But that didn't fit with God. Because he only gave God one day a week. See, God knew his heart. That man, at 42 years of age, came down with stage four terminal cancer. But yet he was in church every Sunday. Who would have ever dreamed he had a sin of breaking that commandment? Only put God first one day a week. (laughs) Only one. Put the world six days a week. And it brought devastating cancer upon his flesh. Almost killed him. But thank goodness. We found the answer. He repented of his sin. We prayed the prayer of faith for him according to James 5, 14, 15, and 16. And God miraculously healed that man. And today that man, 21 years later, is still alive and well. But yet, 42 years of age, 21 years ago in 1986, he was given the death sentence by God. And he was given the death sentence by M.D. Anderson, Mayo Clinic, and Louisville Hospital, they all three gave him the death sentence. And then God called me on the scene. And I'm glad he did. Because he had a miracle for me and had a miracle for that man. He was going to heal him, but he was going to train me and start me on a path that was going to be beyond my wildest imaginations. That was the first person I ever saw miraculously healed. And God didn't start me out with a headache. Something the devil couldn't throw back and say, well... Yeah, you prayed for Sharon. She had a headache. And yeah, she went out. And she didn't have one, but the woman sitting right behind her. She had one when she came in, too, and she went out. It's just a phenomenon, you know. No. But if you've got terminal cancer and you come in totally on the, with a the death sentence and you go out totally healed, we know something miraculous happened, don't we, Sharon? Amen. Yes, we do. <clears throat> you know, if you have brain tumors like Sharon had a few years ago, And now you don't have them no more. We know something miraculous happened. And it was God. And so anytime we see these great and awesome things happen, we're so grateful today that we serve this mighty, awesome God that will forgive us and give us another chance. But here, I command you this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in His ways. The average Christian today, I'm going to be so bold as to say the average Christian today does not even know what God's ways are. I'm sure when I was talking about that on the way down here to church tonight, <clears throat> we were talking about the number of people that we see that live together out of wedlock that both of them say they're Christians, you know. But that's not God's way, you know. But she said nobody teaches it. Nobody teaches it in church that it's against God's rules. But we just don't read the book to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply. Well, if you read that in the positive only, it sounds good. But if you look at the negative side, he said, if you do all these things, you will live and multiply. Well, what if you don't do them? Then you're going to die and you're not going to multiply. Is that right? Right. Isn't that what he's saying? I mean, sure, that's what he's saying. We fail to look at the other side. So, we say, well, you know, uh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna be like this lady the other day. She said, well, I don't live in adultery. I'm not sinning. I don't kill nobody. You know, I'm not murdering anybody. So I'm, I'm obeying the Ten Commandments. I'm okay. But she's sick as she can be. But she sure does do a lot of, have a lot of strife and a lot of grumbling and complaining in her life. But she ain't sinning. Oh yes, she was. And when she got rid of all that, she got healed. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You know, who would ever dream grumbling and complaining would make you sick? If we thought it would, we'd stop doing it, wouldn't we? We'd stop doing it. I mean, that's just like today. I had a great opportunity. I mean, last night, I mean, I was up all night, well, almost all night last night. I didn't go to bed till 3.30 or 4 this morning working on radio shows. And I guess it was 3.30 And then I'm downloading some stuff that takes real time to do it. So I get up at 5 and then I get up at 7, you know, to save files and all the things I'm doing. So I'm up up and down all night last night. And then this afternoon, one of the ones I'm loading, i got 48 minutes in it and a computer locked up. You know what I wanted to do? (laughs) Amen! (laughs) There you go, (laughs) sir. I, for a second, that thought hit me. I know none of y'all ever been there, you know. <laughs> but I said, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity of service. Lord, I praise you. I ain't going there and grumbling and complaining. I ain't going there at all. I said, Lord, I want to thank you. And I said, now then, computer, you're supposed to be saving that file. That program is supposed to save that file. And I am not going to lose that 48 minutes. And so I hit control Alt and Delete. It says, if you hit end task, you'll lose all of your data. I said, no, I'm not. I don't believe that. In the name of Jesus, I ain't losing nothing. Because, Lord, I thank you. And I closed that thing out. The computer shut down. And I rebooted it and started over. And it says, you were in the middle of a project. Do you want to continue? I said, yes. I said, yes. And it pulled that whole 48-minute file right back in there for me. And I praised the Lord. I said, thank you, Jesus. Boy, you think we don't go through trials and tests every day? But I saved the whole file. I didn't lose any of it. I said, Lord, thank you. And what if I'd have grumbled and complained, Eldon? It, it wouldn't have been there, would it? No, it would not have been there. I praise the Lord. Right here, i got to tell you, I was telling John a while ago. I heard one of the greatest testimonies this week from one of the men I was ministering to. And I, this is a perfect place to throw it in about this kind of stuff and the way things happen. This man is an associate pastor, or not an associate pastor, he is a youth pastor in a big church out west. And he, he drove in to see me, and we talked a long time. And he, he said, when I got a hold of your teaching, you believe the Word of God like I believe it. He said, I believe these things work. But he said, I didn't see them happening. But he said, I believe that if God said it, that's exactly what he means. And so he said, when I got a hold of your teaching, I thought, well, i got somebody that agrees with me. He said, now, my pastor doesn't agree with me on several of these things. But he said, anyway, I've tried my best to walk in love with my pastor. But he said, I know the Lord says, don't grumble and complain. So he said, the other day I was out on a job. And he said, we were doing some things. And one of the men that was working with me, he was doing something that wasn't working right at all. And he wasn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. And I'm not going to say nothing to him, but he said, I'm grumbling within myself. That dummy, don't he know what to do? And he said, all of a sudden, one of the pieces of equipment we have swings around, pulls a limb back, and a limb hits me right in the mouth. And he said, man, it hurt. And he said, I said, Lord... If you're going to swap me, at least you're going to hit me in the butt instead of the face. And he said, when I said that, he said, both feet went right out from under me and I hit right on the ground and hurt me. He said, I laid down on my back and said, okay, God, you got my attention. You got my attention. Wouldn't that get your attention, Ty? Okay, God, you know, if you could have at least hit me in the rear end instead of in the mouth. And he said, bam, my feet was out from under me in a heartbeat and my rear end was just like that on that rock I was standing on. He said, let me tell you, it hurt. So he said, I just lay there with my hands back and said, Okay, God. Okay, Lord, you got my attention. You got my attention. Now, somebody say, God would never do that to you. Let me tell you what. He just like me, he believes God did that to him, and I believe God did that to him. You know that? You know, you have to believe that God's in control of everything, He is in control. You know, so you've just got to know that the king is in control. So when you hear these kind of testimonies, you know, I mean, I mean, have any of you ever experienced anything like this in your life? Similar to this? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I'll tell one about me and Dave that day when I, and I've told some of you, you probably remember it. It wasn't Dave, now it was me. He was with me. But it was about me now, Dave. You can rest, Dave. You're no problem. He was with me. And we were taking the windows out to put our bathtub in the house. And I was lightly jesting about my wife wanting this bathtub that I had to pull the windows out. And when I was putting the windows back in, I started to lightly jest about, well, you know, we could have bought a normal bathtub. I wouldn't have to take the windows out. And I'd put every screw back in all around that window without a problem. But when I started to lightly jest, I stuck that drill and started to push, and that screw turned, and that drill hit the wall, and my head hit that window, and just busted my eye open. I stopped and looked up, and Dave said, "After what you've taught, I ain't touching that with a ten foot pole." <laughs> I said, "Dave, you think the Lord just did that to me?" He said, "You be the judge of that." Said, "I ain't touching that with a ten foot pole," but he knew that God did that to me, didn't you, Dave? Sure, you did. It couldn't have been just a coincidence. It was too perfect. The second I grumbled, I'd put every screw back in around both them windows and hadn't missed a single one of them. But that one, when I started to grumble, bam, it turned over and I hit that window with my head busted in my head, the blood just gushed. God said, hey, I don't like what you're doing. It's just like a young man come to me the other day. He said, you know, I would never tell anybody this because everybody would think I was crazy. But he said, I'm a born-again Christian, but after what I've heard you teach, you'll believe this. He said, I went down to a place the other day where there was a lot of girls. And some of them was pretty scantily dressed. And he said, I was like a kid in a candy store. He said, I'm, woo, look at this one. Boy, isn't she pretty? Woo, He he said, I ain't saying nothing out loud. I'm just looking. He said, all of a sudden the Lord told me, stop it. I don't like what you're doing. He said, let me tell you. I said, yes, Master. And he said, I went back outside. He said, I never looked at another girl. Somebody said, God would never do that to you. Well, let me tell you, he said God did it to him. Do you think God was pleased with what that Christian young man was doing? Absolutely not. Can he talk to you and tell you when he's displeased with you? Yes, he can. Just like he can tell you when he's pleased with you, he can tell you when he's unhappy with you. And he will. The king talks. (laughs) He will speak to you. Now then, he says, if you do this, you'll live. He said, but, look at this, there's always this but and if. You know, it's getting to where I see a lot of those. But if your heart turns away, so you will not hear, but you shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish. And that, You shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether you pass us over Jordan to go possess it. So what if you you turn against God? Do you think He's still doing that to people today? Why do you think you see Christian people that are in the hospital, that are down, sick, and afflicted, and tormented, since the covenant we have today says He bore our sickness and removed our disease? We're not supposed to have it. But what happens when we get out of that love walk with Him? What happens when we don't put Him first? We know what happens, don't we? Is He the same yesterday, today, and forever? So I think we ought to take this to heart and start really loving the King. Don't you, Richard? Yeah. If you really love the King. Now, if you're loving the King and serving the King, and you're starting to do something stupid, do you know He'll warn you? He don't want you to get hurt. I mean, I, I just I look over at Richard and think about his son, get his hand cut here a while back, and I thought how I did that when I was a, a much younger man. I was, I, I was there working that day. I was loving God, serving Him, reading His Word, going to church, walking in obedience to His Word, doing everything I thought right. And I, I, as and far as I know, I still was. But I'm building some cabinets. I'm putting a dishwasher in and a building I'm building, And I couldn't get the guys to finish it on time, so I'm having to go over on Saturday and help out myself because I want it open by Monday morning. So I'm putting some cabinets in there, and I needed a little board. And I needed to cut a little three-quarter inch piece off of about a seven-inch wide board. And I picked up a skill saw and started to cut that off. And he said, son, I heard this just as clear as I'm hearing my voice right now. He said, son, your hand is too close. I didn't didn't I didn't even stop, didn't even slow down. I just kept sawing. And again I heard him say, Son, your hand is too close. This is pretty well the height of stupidity. I mean, this is not my next door neighbor talking to me. This is God talking to me. And I ain't listening. Although I'm hearing it, I'm not acting on it. And all of a sudden when he says it twice, I said, Okay, Lord. So I stopped the saw. I moved my hand plumb out to the end of the board. To the end of the board. I could have clamped the board in a vise, but I didn't. I'm holding it and I put my hand out here on the end and I started to saw again. He said, Son, it's still too close. I didn't I didn't believe him. That's pretty stupid. You know, but does he tell us in the word all the time to do things and we don't yield to that either? That's pretty stupid too, isn't it? You know, so we're all right there. But this time he spoke to me audibly And I kept on sawing, and of course, just before I got to the edge of the board, the board pinched in that saw, and it jerked that board out under there and jerked my hand under there with it. And it hit my third finger there about three times. It hit the one on the other side of it uh, six times, but the one right in the middle. It started to that joint, and it went right down to the bone and cut it off right to the just There was a little piece of skin about a quarter inch holding the end of my finger on. That's all. That makes you tremble just to think about it, doesn't it? Deborah, you don't want that to happen to you, do you? Okay, well, I didn't want it to happen to me either, let me tell you, but it did. And why did it happen? The king warned me three times. Does he warn us in his word over and over? We don't listen well, do we? I didn't listen well either. And I had to pay the consequence. Of course, as soon as it happened, I told him, I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that after you told me three times. I just can't believe I can be that dumb. I said, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Now, Is that the good part about him? Mm -hmm. He'll forgive you? I mean, even when we make these stupid mistakes, he will forgive us. And then I asked him to miraculously heal my hand. Well, I went up to the doctor. Of course, I went up. I didn't have the faith to just stand, you know, then I have a whole lot more faith now than I had then. But I went up to the hospital, and the doctor sewed it back on, put 13 stitches in it, and sent me to a specialist. And the specialist wanted to do all kinds of things to me, and skin grafts and all kinds of stuff. And I said, Nope, I ain't going there. I'm just going to let Jesus heal it. I said, he'll heal it without a scar. He said, oh, ain't no way. He said, that finger, you're going to have to have skin grafts. He said, that finger is in terrible shape. I said, but the king I serve, he's a mighty God. And I told him, I said, sir, I guarantee he'll heal it. And he'll heal it supernaturally because I've asked him. Well, he said, you're not going to let me do the skin grafts. I said, nope, not going to do it. So he said, well, will you come back in a week and let me see how bad it looks? I said, okay. I came back in a week. And I'd already removed all the stitches, and the finger was completely healed in a week. One week. He could not believe it. He said, that can't be the same finger I looked at a week ago. I said, that's it. I said, I told you I knew Jesus, and He's a supernatural God. I told you He would heal it for me. See, I really didn't even understand the principle That I can have what I say with my mouth if I really believe with my heart. But that's a principle in God's Word under the New Covenant. You can have what you say with your mouth if you believe with your heart. Almost nobody believes that. But they won't work for you unless you walk in obedience to these commandments. Now then, what he says there, if you don't do what he said, look what he will do for you. You know? Then he says, and I call, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed or your children may live. You know what the chances are of the seed being pure and holy if daddy's rotten? You know what the chances are? Tiny. Tiny. Like father, like son. That's why they said the curse will follow the children. Sometimes to the third and the fourth and sometimes beyond that. If daddy, just like that little girl that I've ministered to here quite a while back, a little 16-year-old girl that I went to one of the rehab centers and she was in there. And I asked her what happened to her. Her throat had been cut, you know, and she had scars all over her face. And she could barely talk. But she finally told me. She said, "If I could only live that night over." I said, "What happened?" She said, "One of the boys, his daddy had a case of beer in the refrigerator, and so he got it, and we all went out. He was 16, got his driver's license, and all of them are between 14 and 17, and was a carload of them. And these kids." Got out here in the Dallas area drinking that beer. And you know a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kid drank two or three beers. They're wiped out. They're wiped out. They can't hold beer. They ain't had none. Their body's not used to it. I know men that could drink ten beers and not be as drunk as a young person can drinking two. So that's what happened to them. They didn't know how it worked. And so they drink and they get to driving too fast. And I think there were five or six of them, she said, in the car. It's been so many years ago, I forget. But all of them in the car, they missed a curve. They ran off of a bridge. And all of them, but two, were killed. All of them were killed in the car. She was one of the ones that didn't die, but she wished she had. Her face was tore all to pieces. Her throat had been cut. And she could, her vocal cords, she could barely communicate with you. It took her 20 minutes to tell me what happened. And the things that kept coming back as the tears would come in her eyes if I just had that night to live over. It's too late. You don't have that life to live over. You don't even have that night to live over. You don't have those minutes to live over. The thing to do is teach your children what's right and daddy be in obedience to God's Word and be a holy man and not have that beer or them cigarettes or nothing else or the pornography or nothing else in your house. Walk holy before God And your children are going to have a whole lot better chance than they will that if you're living in sin. If you're living in sin, your children are going to be just like you. Or worse. And sometimes you can walk totally, completely holy before God and your children turn out to be rotten. That happens. We see that. It happens far too often. But anyway, choose life that you and your children may live. And then that next verse, the last one, 20, that you mayest love the Lord thy God, and that you mayest obey His voice, and that you may cleave unto Him, for He is your life. Now, without Him, you have no life. Once He withdraws, you're dead. And the length of your days, He's also the length of your days. And that's why some people live such short periods of time, and some live so long, because He is the length of your days. That you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to so Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Now he said all this before us under the old covenant, but he's done the same thing in the new covenant. He's given us a choice. Now then, Deuteronomy thirty-two, verse thirty-five, is where we'll start. And Deuteronomy thirty five, thirty-two. Deuteronomy thirty two, thirty-five. Deuteronomy thirty two, thirty-five. To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things that shall come upon them make haste. In other words, their calamity is because of their sin. It's coming upon them. Then he says, For the Lord, the Lord himself shall judge his people and repent himself for his servants when he seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. Verse 37, And he shall say, where are their gods? The rock in whom they trusted. In other words, they had all these other gods. You know, Where are these guys? You know? Call unto them. See if they can help you. And that's what he's trying to say. When, when we take uh, the cars that we build, the boats, the airplanes, anything we make our God, whenever the devastation comes upon you, he says, See if that car can help you. See if that house can help you. See if that boat can help you. And it can't help you. You know, If God's not there and He's not your God and He's you're not living in a repented state and He don't hear your prayer, you're in big trouble. Which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drink the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. He's talking about their gods. See, now that I even I... What? Listen to this verse. Look at that. Think about this. See now that I, even I. Who is he talking about? Who is I? God. Who am I? See now that I, God, even God, am He, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. You think he's the boss, Deborah? I believe he is, don't you? And if he said that, I'm not going to write a book saying God can't kill you. You know, because I'm not going to try to prove he can, he's not going to do something he said in his word that he will do. Sharon, is that pretty clear? I mean, that's just pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, he didn't stutter. He goes on to say, now see, he didn't try to hide it either, did he? See, that I am I. It says, for I li- see now that I, God, even I, am He, and there is no God with me. I kill, I make alive, I wound, and I heal. There he is. Isn't that awesome? And the NLT? Okay, uh, Dave, if you can, right quick, flip this uh, scripture over to the NLT and let's see what that says. Go back up to that. Uh, See now that I... Oh, that's a King James. Yeah. uh, Verse 39. There's a 39. See now, look now, I myself am He. There is no God other than me. I am the one who kills and gives life. I am the one who wounds and heals. No one delivers from my power. Uh, Pretty clear either way you look at it in either translation, isn't it? So, I mean, how many powers is it that can... In other words, if God serves a death sentence on you, what court can you go to for a reprieve? Is there a higher authority? No way. I mean, if He signs a death sentence to you for the sin you've been in, it's over, isn't it, Eldon? It's over. It's over. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's why sometimes when we pray for people, people do not get healed. Because they have committed the sin unto death. Of course, the New Testament says that. I mean, we don't want to hear about that. You know, but there is in the New Testament a sin unto death. But the thing that startles me is he don't tell you what it is. He says all sin is unrighteousness and there is a sin unto death. And did you know I've come to realize that the sin unto death can be a sin unto death for one person and it not be a sin unto death to another person. I've learned that. I mean, let's stop and think. And to prove that from the Scripture when Ananias and Sapphira came in and they lied about giving to the Lord. They sold their piece of land. Well, Lord, we don't want to just tithe off of this, God. We want to give all of it to You. But they lied. You know, they lied. In other words, they give only a portion of it. Scripture doesn't tell us how much, but when they lied and came and said, Peter, we sold it. Ananias came in and said, Peter, we sold our piece of land. And we want to give it all to the Lord. All of it. And he laid the money down at Peter's feet. And he says, Ananias was not the land yours. I mean, you didn't have to sell it. And if you did sell it, you could have sold it for anything you wanted to. You could have given God anything you wanted to. But why have you decided to lie to God? He said, because you lied. You're going to die. Bam. And he instantly fell dead. Now then, the money he had left over, did it do him any good? I don't think so. Now, Peter just tithed off of it and say, "Lord," Peter, we want to give, we want to give God 20% of it and brought it in and laid the 20% down. Said, this is our gift to the Lord. God would have blessed him, wouldn't he? But he tried to lie. And of course, a little bit later, when his wife came in after they had buried him, said, did you and Ananias really sell the piece of land for this much? Yes, yeah. she said, this is the price. Ooh, Peter said, why have y'all decided to make, go together and to lie to God? Do you think God was there when they made the deal? Of course he was. You can't lie to the king. He knows everything. And so, immediately, she was struck dead. And it said great fear fell upon the church. Now, how many times has somebody in the church since that day to this do you think that somebody's lied about what they're giving? I mean, lots of times. I've heard a lot of people say, are you a tither? Oh, yeah, I tithe. I tithe. I said, I ask you a question. You tithe off of every paycheck? Well, no, I tithe when I go to church. How many often do you go? Well, about once every three months. So, you made $500 this week and you come to church this week, you give God $50. Yeah, that's right, I give God 50 So, I tithe. How about that mother $500 paycheck for the next three months? Well, no, I don't give him nothing often. But I tithe. No, you don't tithe. You don't even know what the word means. Is it a good thing God's merciful? If he wasn't, you know what? That guy'd be dead. You know? I mean, I didn't even know you were supposed to tithe. When I got saved, nobody told me. And if I hadn't have known and God had held me accountable anyway, of course, He really does hold me accountable, but at least He didn't kill me. You know, He gave me a little chance to learn because I didn't know. Are we glad He's forgiving? Yeah. Uh, very. Thank you, Jesus, because I didn't know either. So then He says here, now look, I myself am He. There is no other God other than me. I am the one who kills and I give life. I am the one who wounds and I heal and no one delivers from my power. If the King, that's why sometimes we pray so fervently for people. Today, with the blood of Jesus, is it possible? Is it possible, even when God serves a death sentence on someone, if we plead and intercede, He could change His mind? Yes, He can. And aren't we glad He can? Because, I mean, but you know, there may be times, and there has been times in my life when the King, when I ask Him, when I pled for the life of a man with whatever, and he said, no, no, I'm not going to hear your prayer. That man, he has, ser- he, I have served a death sentence on him, and it's over. Ain't nothing you can do. And the man dies. I don't care how hard or how fervently I pray for him, he don't heal him. I mean, I had him tell me that. In fact, I was listening to another minister the other day, and he said, you know, one day I was going... Uh, I was called to a home to pray for a young man, and he'd broken his back. He said, I went over there and prayed for him, and said, I thought the girl that there was his wife. I found out it was his girlfriend, and they were living together, but I'd already prayed for him, and God healed him. He God used that minister's faith to heal that young man, and he got healed. But 20 years later, he said, I was asked to come back to that same man when he was about 40 years old. He was sick and down... Really seriously ill. And he said, the family called. Since I would prayed for him 20 years before he got healed, when he was a 20-year-old, they asked me to come and pray over him. He said, I got in my car and I started over there. And on the way over there, I heard this voice. When you get over there, don't you pray for his healing. I turned around and looked to see who was in the car with me. He said, I said, Lord, is that you? He said, yes, son. He said, but Lord, you told me to pray for the sick. He said, but this boy has not lived right more than one or two weeks at a time. Any time for the last 20 years, I've now had it with him. I am not going to heal him. I'm going to take him out. Don't you pray for his healing. And he said, I didn't pray for his healing when I got there. And said, just a few days later, the boy died. I'd done the same thing with a 50-something-year-old man. And he died. And God told me. After the funeral, he told me that the reason the man died was because he had stopped producing fruit for the kingdom of God. And he said he has not produced no fruit for the last ten years. And so, I cut him off. Isn't that amazing? We wonder why we need to be healed in the church. I'm going to tell you it's sin. It's sin. That's what it was here. It hasn't changed a bit. Same story. Now, the next verse. Forty to me belongeth vengeance and recompense They're, huh oh verse 40 for i lift up my hand to heaven and say i live forever wow. i lift up my hand to heaven and if i wet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment i will revenge I, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and reward them that hate me He calls that a reward. That's scary, isn't it? This is God talking here. You do see that, right? This is a king talking here about his enemies. Who are his enemies? Anybody that doesn't love him. Anybody that doesn't love him. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood. Now, this is God talking. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain under the captives from the beginning of revenge is upon the enemy. Verse 43. Rejoice, O you nations, with His people for He will avenge the blood of His servants and will render vengeance to His adversaries and will be merciful upon unto His land and to His people. Now, do you want to be one of His people? Or do you want to be one that's against Him? I want to be one of His people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now then, let's go to Leviticus. Let's see what happens when we are obedient. Let's go to Leviticus 25, 21. Leviticus 25, 21. Let's see what the Lord says here. Now this is the kind of Scriptures we like to read. We love these. Do we like that? Yes. Yes. Then I, God, will command my blessings upon you in the sixth year and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. How would you like to have a crop like that? You love that one, would you, Ty? You go out there and plant one time and it brings forth a three year harvest. I mean fills every barn and everything. But the king promised that to you, didn't he? Yes, he will. If you will obey me, then I will command my blessings. And he says, then he talks about sowing the eighth year, and you shall eat yet of the old fruit until the ninth year, until her fruits comes, and you shall eat of the old store. In other words, if if you're obedient and do what he says. This is something today that we do not do. We do not let the land lay out on the seventh year. I mean, people don't do that. I mean, when I say we, most people do not. There is a very few people that do that. But most of them won't. But God says if we will, if we do what He says, He will command the blessings upon us. Even to the point that when you plant that sixth year, it will last for three years. One year lasts for three. That's awesome. And
1: the four corners
0: to the poor. Yeah, and you've got to give the four corners. We didn't go and study all this out in detail. It's all in there. But I'm just hitting a few of the little highlights tonight of all these things. And then let's go to Deuteronomy 11, 26, 27, and 28. Deuteronomy 11,
1: 26, 27, and 28. Deuteronomy 11. Yeah. I that, something real quick? Yeah. On that, it works. On the ranch, I would say I had the ranch divided into 30-acre plots. And it's, it's, it's 1,600 acres, so there was lots of plots. But I would take a plot every seven years or every year I'd take one section of land and I'd leave it. I wouldn't put any cattle on it and just let it sit there. And even today, those pastors that I've done that to, I haven't gone all the way through the ranch doing it to all of them, but each one that I've done that to is a, is a tremendous difference between it and the other pastures.
0: And it really does work. Amen. Well, God said it will. If God said it, it's got to work. If it's written in the Word... It's got to work. The thing about it is, we just don't believe it. But he says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. Now then, if we go after those gods, those gods today, <coughs> excuse me, I rebuke that sneeze in the name of Jesus. Today we can make anything our God. I mean, you can make the computer your God. You can make your farm your God. You can make your car your God. You can make your spouse your God. You can make your children your God. You can make your grandchildren your God. You can make anything your God. Anything you put before God will bring a curse upon your life even to this day it will do it now then let's go to Deuteronomy 28.8 we go to Deuteronomy 28.8 now this is an awesome awesome command in Deuteronomy 28.8 the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in your storehouse "...and in all that you set us your hand to, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee." Now then, all that is based around obeying everything from Deuteronomy 28.1. When you go to 28.1, you find out the very first thing he says, "...you must obey me. You must do everything I say." So, "...and it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments... Which I command you this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And then that verse eight, which is way on down there, he says, He will command the blessings to overtake you. Now, how many people today under the new covenant should be blessed? He come under the new covenant to give us life and give it to us poorly? Abundantly. So why are some abundantly blessed and some not? It's because of sin. We do not take the promises of God and do not stand on those promises believing those promises are really real for us. We don't believe it. I mean, they're so awesome, so powerful under the new covenant. He gives us unlimited power under the new covenant. Isn't it wonderful to know that you have a new covenant with God? That you can confess every sin and He'll forgive every one of them and make you clean and holy? Right in His presence. And then you can stand on these promises when you stand on them by faith, they happen. I mean, I'll tell you a way I was put to the test. Cheryl and I both were put to the test just recently. Oh, we're, we're put to the test regularly. But, you know, this one was a unique one. Uh, she was having a little stomach trouble the other night. She was getting ready to go out to her daughter's uh, restaurant to, to sing. And she said, honey, my stomach's bothering me. Would you pray for me? So I laid my hands on her stomach, prayed, rebuked the enemy, and I said, you're healed in the name of Jesus. Well, she gets about 20 minutes down the road. She called back. She said, we need to pray again. My stomach's still hurting me. Man, I got rough with her. I said, woman, I prayed. It's done in the name of Jesus. I mean, bold as a lion. She said, well, okay, okay. <laughs> Hung up the phone. She called me back in five minutes. She said, my stomach's totally quit hurting. Hallelujah. See? Now, I, it, what if I'd have said... Well, I, honey, I'm sorry. I don't know why it didn't work. Let me try it again. I was no faith in none of that was it Rosemary. None. But whenever I stepped out there is it? It's done. I prayed it's done. I mean, I was bold as a lion. You know, I get there because well, sometimes Cheryl, she said, Man, you're screaming at me. No, I'm not screaming at you. I'm just screaming at the devil. <laughs> but, you know, you have to be bold with the Word. It, the word don't work for you unless you're bold. Amen. When you're bold, it does work for you. Doesn't it, Dave? Amen. It does work when you're bold. Now then, that's a great and awesome promise. Now let's go to 2 Samuel twelve. 2 Samuel chapter 12, starting with verse 7. 2 Samuel chapter 12, and let's start with verse 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord. Now, of course, the story, I'm sure you've read this story down to here. I don't have time to go through all of it. But David had just committed a terrible sin with Bathsheba. Uh, you know, and he had uh, called her to his house. He had, had uh, killed her husband and all kinds. I mean, he just really turned out to be a rotten king right here. I mean, you know, he, he sees a man that has a beautiful wife. And he, as if he didn't have a beautiful wife. He had a house full of beautiful wives. He had one in every room. But here he is up on top of the porch looking down and sees another beautiful woman that belongs to another man. And he wants her. And so he has her come to his chambers and he lays with her that night and she conceives and gets pregnant and everything else. And when he finds out she's pregnant... He, try, he calls that man in from the battlefront and tries to get him drunk to go, tries, first of all, tries to get him, just talk to him, try to get him to go home, sleep with his wife, and he won't do it. So the next night he gets him drunk, thinking he'll go home and sleep with his wife, and he still do not And so he sends a letter in his hand back with him into the field, says, Give this to the general. And that letter says, Put him on the front line where the fighting is the hottest, where he'll be killed. And the general did. And so God didn't like that. Can you imagine God being upset at David because he done such a silly little thing as this? All he's done now is committed adultery. Now he's lied. Now he's committed murder. He's broke the Ten Commandments everywhere, hadn't he? And he's got a woman pregnant. And so now, then, after her husband dies, he's going to be the good guy. He's going to bring her into his castle and make him one of her, one of his wives. know, so. The story was told about the lamb and the man had one tiny little lamb and how a man come in and killed it and slaughtered it. David jumped up and my, he said, who is that man? I'll have his head. I'll kill him. And the prophet said, right there, Nathan said to David, you're the man. How would you like to de- declare that to yourself? I don't like what that guy did. Bring that guy in. I want to kill him. And the prophet says, you're the guy. Ooh, that's not what we want to hear, is it? But he said, you're the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And then look what he said. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into thy bosom, and I gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have moreover have given unto you thee such and such things. In other words, anything you wanted, all you had to do is ask. Or what he's trying to say, if you didn't have enough wives, if you'd have asked me, I'd to give you another handful of beautiful women, if that's what you wanted. But you didn't ask, you went out and took one on your own. Now you've sinned. God said, I'd give you anything you asked for. Then he says, wherefore, hast thou despised the commandments of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword. And you have taken his wife to be your wife, and you've slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Verse 10. Now, therefore the sword shall never depart from your house. What a curse to be spoken upon a man. Because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of your upright, the Hittite, to be your wife. Now, when he took this, the Lord says, Behold, okay, we stop Now, because he did that, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives and before your eyes, and I will give them unto your neighbors, and he, your neighbor, will lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. Who's going to make all this happen? God's going to do this. You reckon He's a little upset? Now, is He going to be able to move on all these people and make all this come to pass? Absolutely, He absolutely, God is doing. And why is He doing it? Why is all these people going to suffer? All these things are going to suffer. Who was its fault? David, the father, and the curses are going to come upon the children. The children are going to. The daughters are going to be raped. The wives are going to be raped on the housetops. The people are going to be murdered and killed. And the swords going to be in the house because of David's sin. Now, did that? You reckon that I, all I got to say is there ain't no sexual encounter with no human being, man or woman, could be worth that kind of a price a man has to pay for that. There's no way. That's awful, and to think, God's no respect your person if we do those dumb, stupid things. Guess what kind of curse He's going to speak over you and me? The same thing. Same thing. It's amazing. Bless you. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. I'm going to let them see it happen to you and your family. Yeah, you did it in the dark. You did it in secret. You did it at night. But I'm going to do it in the daylight. Everybody will see what's going to happen. Then he says in verse 13, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Now see, if the Lord hadn't put away that sin, God would have served a death sentence on David right there. But He gave him a little more time. But look what happened. Verse 14. How be it because of this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of God. To blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. The poor little child it had nothing to do with this, but the little child's going to die. Then it says, and Nathan departed unto his house and the Lord, who did? The Lord struck the child. In other words, that wasn't the devil killed that child, was it? And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David. And it was very sick. Does sin, what I'm trying to get through to all of us, does sin have a consequence? So when we go out messing around doing these kind of stupid things today, when we have children born with physical defects, handicaps, cerebral palsy, and all kinds of things, do you ever think there's a reason for that? Is it worth it? If you're a man or a woman, is it worth it to do that, to have this kind of curse come upon your family? Not to me it ain't. Not to me. It's not worth it. you know. But is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does He like sin? I don't think so. He didn't like it here, did He? The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. Next verse. David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth, fasting and praying and pleading with God. But what happened? And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day, the seventh day, he fasted and prayed and begged and pleaded with God to forgive him. God already told him he took away his sin. But he ain't here in this prayer, is he? Is there a consequence to sin? And this poor little child, on the seventh day, the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that his child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke unto him, and he would not hearken under our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? What killed that child? Sin. Sin. What kills our children today? Sin. Sin. No different. When you get a hold of that, that's just like the other day a woman called me. She said, Thurman Scrivener, you have got to stop teaching what you're teaching. I said, well, what do you mean, ma'am? She said, you've ruined the life of a woman in our church. I said, how did I ruin her life? She said, she was an okay woman until she got a hold of your teaching. And she now found out that her mentally handicapped child that she had out of wedlock was a curse because of her sin. And now that she's very upset with herself, said, you've ruined her life forever. You've got to stop what you're teaching. I said, ma'am, that woman needed to hear what I have to teach before she went to bed with a boy and got pregnant out of wedlock. Then she wouldn't have this problem. I said, that's what's wrong with us today. We don't have no men hardly at all that's willing to stand and tell what God said. We don't want to hear it. But I said, you know, God's given me a job to teach His Word just like it's written. And that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I said, all I can say, ma'am, I'm sorry I didn't get to this woman before she had her sin encounter. Because if she had heard, and she would have known there was a consequence. And she didn't do that. She could have waited until she got married and had a beautiful baby, couldn't she, Deborah? She could. When you look at this book, it's hard to stomach, isn't it? It really is. It's kind of hard to stomach these things. Now, then, <clears throat> let's go on down another verse, down to 20. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. That's strange, isn't it? The baby died. you reckon he still knows who God is? Do you think he still knows he's accountable to God? And he better worship him, had Rosemary? Because if he don't, he may be next. He knows this. He worshipped. Then he came to his own house. And when He required, they set bread before Him. And He did eat. Verse 21. Then said His servants unto Him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child dead, you arose and did and you eat bread. Next verse. And He said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live say so you don't know that do you so when you pray today we don't know what the sin under death is very rarely and god don't tell us so that's why we pray and fast that's why some people we have prayed and fasted i mean i mean there's been times even when people in this church has died and we went as a group and stayed all night long and fasted and prayed over these people. A dead person laying there in the bed. 24 hours later, we finally give up. And then when you call 911, and they send the police out there, and they say, this person died when? You said at 3 o'clock. Oh, okay, so they've been dead an hour. No, 25 hours. They died yesterday at 3. Why didn't you call yesterday? Because we're Christians. We were doing our best to raise them from the dead. You know what they think about you? You got a problem. The average church member don't have that kind of faith today, do they? No. But we did. We were, we were trying our best. But we didn't know. We were trying to raise this young man from the dead. But, God said, but now is he dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Now see, David, he didn't have the Holy Ghost with the power that we have today on this side of the new covenant. We have the power within us. If we can walk there in obedience to His Word, we can raise the dead today. He never told them to do it. Nowhere in the old covenant is it written, you can raise the dead. But in the new covenant, it is written. We can do that. But there's only been a handful of people in life that I've ever heard of, it had the kind of faith to raise someone from the dead. Most people can't even dream about having that kind of faith. It's difficult. So, verse 24, And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her again, and lay with her, and she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved this little guy. He's married to her now. Difference. Whole different story. Before, he did it, not married to her. This time, he is married to her, and she's one of his wives. He's got a house full of wives. But Solomon turned out to be a great and powerful king with great wisdom and great knowledge, but he also sinned terribly in his last years. You know, I don't know if Solomon went to heaven or not. I really don't know. Wouldn't that be awful? If you get there someday and you find out Solomon's not there? Yeah. I mean, did he sin greatly against God in his last years? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know whether he's there or not. But how would you like to have been the richest king on earth, have the most knowledge of anybody, and still let the world deceive you with beautiful women? I mean, mean, one wasn't enough for him. He had a house full of them. He had a thousand of them. What would you do with a thousand beautiful women? You couldn't even know their names. I mean, Cheryl tells me if I even get one more, she ain't staying. (laughs) We're a little different today, aren't we, Cheryl? Yes, we are. That's the same way with us, all of us. We live in a different place today. Now let's go to this First Kings 17. seventeen seventeen. I want to look at this scripture in First Kings seventeen, seventeen. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Now I don't really know. I mean, the mistress or the maiden uh, of the house, uh, it came to, but she had a son. It doesn't ever say anything about her husband. So, I don't understand the circumstances here, but she's called the mistress of the house. She has a son, and the son fell sick, and his sickness was so bad that there was no breath left in him. Verse 18, And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O man of God? Are thou to come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? You You think she knew the principles? She understood the curses, didn't she? Had she sinned? Probably so. And now then, she's got a dead son. Today, if a person in church or out of church, if something like this happens to us, do we ever ask God, God, is it my sin that caused this to happen? We don't even go there. We don't even go there, do we? No. If I get sick or something happens to me, Lord, did I sin? Did I do something wrong? We don't even think about that. We don't believe these curses and blessings no more. But she says, Art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance? You think she knew what her sin was? Sure. She was called a mistress in the verse before. And she had a son, but it never talks about a husband. So maybe she had a child out of wedlock. Do you think these kind of things happened in the Old Testament just like they do today? Oh yeah. (laughs) No difference. No difference. They happened then just like today. And there was sickness and disease and death then, just like it is today. But we got the whole book. You would think we would learn. Then it says in the, the next verse, And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and lay upon him on his own bed. Now this man's a man of faith. And verse 20, And he cried unto the Lord. And he said, O Lord my God. Hast thou also brought evil upon the widow which whom I sojourned by slaying her son? Who did, who did the prophet say slayed this boy? Who did he give the credit to, the devil or God? To God. Isn't it amazing how everything here is giving credit to God for everything he's doing? And we say, well, it's got to be the devil. But there ain't no way the devil's mentioned in none of these verses. None of them. Then he says, verse Verse 21, And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. He's pleading with God. And then what does it say? And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Now, why do you think he heard the voice of Elijah? He was a righteous prophet. It was a man that was walking after God's own heart. And God was listening to that prayer. He would hear him because he was walking in obedience to the Word. Does God hear the prayer of a sinner? No. Elijah had to be walking pure and clean. He heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. Now then, verse 23. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Next verse, and the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are truly a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in the mouth, your mouth is truth. So see, he'd been telling her some things that was kind of hard to believe. But after you see a miracle like this, your son was dead. Do you think that was in God's plan to show her all this stuff? Who, who did it say killed the child? God did. Who did it say brought him back to life? God did. So who's in control? God. Okay, let's go one more place. Let's go to Second Chronicles 21. and Let's start with verse 10. Second 2 Chronicles 21.10 So the Edomites revolted from under the hand of Judah unto this day, the same time also did... Libna revolt from under his hand because he had forsaken the Lord God of his fathers. Moreover, he made high places in the mountains of Judah and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit fornication and compelled Judah thereto. There came a writing to him from Elijah the prophet, the man of God, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of David, thy father, because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat, thy father, nor in the ways of Asa, king of Judah, but has walked in the way of the kings of Israel, and has made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to go a whoring, like to the whoredoms of the house of Ahab, and also has slain thy brethren by thy father's house, which was better than thyself. Behold, With a great plague will the Lord smite thy people, and thy children, and thy wives, and all thy goods. Who's going to be smote with this sickness? Everybody. Everybody. I mean, now then, from this right here, is it possible for sickness and disease to come upon us as a nation? You may not be that guilty of some sin, but if God speaks it upon this nation, I mean... Boy, you better, you better, if you're a child of God, you better know what your covenant rights are. And you better be walking holy before God, right? And if you are, it can't touch you, can it? That's just like the other night I thought when that storm came through. For every child of God that's walking in obedience to the Word, we can literally stand in the face of that storm and say, no, no. You can't touch us. In the name of Jesus, you cannot touch my property. You can't tear up my car. You can't tear up my house. You can't do nothing to me because I'm a son or a daughter of God, and I'm walking in obedience to the covenant. And He gave me power and authority over you in the name of Jesus. And it has to stop. It has to stop. Now, what if you're not walking? Some people say, "I don't believe that. Ain't no way I believe you can stop a storm." Why? If you don't believe that, that ain't no use. You going out there and trying it. Because it certainly ain't gonna work for you. This is one place you've got to have no doubt, right, Ty? No doubt, and you know
1: it's conditional. Oh yeah. So
0: Jesus spent the whole night praying. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! They won't be—they can hear that, but they won't be able to be heard on the tape.
1: It's conditional. Jesus spent the whole night praying before he came out there and said, "Come here and walk on the water." And then a... he also was there, when he was laying in that bed sleeping. And that boat went had the storm. He was praying. Amen. He prayed about everything. And before every battle, if you'll go back and read, he did a lot of praying before that battle came. So he was prayed up, ready for when the attack
0: came. Amen. That's exactly That's right. right. Praise the Lord. That's just like uh, last night, one of the men that was out at the minister center, uh, as he and I was talking, he said, Thurman, how do you walk in this? He said, I'm 40, whatever it was, 42, 45, whatever it was. He said, I have never seen a miracle in my life. Never. And I've been in church. And, of course, uh, Wendy was in there. Uh, We talked in a little while. And whenever he said that, she said, oh, well, she said, I'm 30 years old now. But she said, until I met him, I had never seen a miracle either. And she said, I was in church every time the door was open. But she said, now that I've met Thurman, she said, my first encounter was he I saw a man's withered hand healed. I saw a man's back healed. And she said, I had never seen a miracle. But when I come in contact with Thurman, I have. So when we walked in this room, he said, how do you walk in this? I said, well, first of all, you pray about everything. That's one of the things I told him, Ty. You don't do nothing while praying over it. Well, as we talked, we came out in a little while to take a little break. And Cheryl, she said, can I make you all a cup of tea? We went down there and she made us a cup of tea and I prayed over it. And then she said, would you all like a cookie? And she handed us a cookie and I prayed over it. And he said, you do pray over everything, don't you? And <laughs> Cheryl said, yes, yeah, so we do. Now, when you pray over everything, it works, doesn't it, Ty? When you spend time in prayer with the King, it works, doesn't it, Rosemary? It works every time. Praise the king. Now, if you ain't spending no time with the king, it ain't going to work ever. That's right. It ain't going to work ever. Nothing doesn't work every time. It don't ever work. Rosemary's got the principles. She knows how it works. If she spends time with her daddy, I mean, she spends that time with him and loving him, worshiping him. When that daughter needs something, she can ask him and he'll give it to you, won't he? he Absolutely, he will. Now then, it says uh, here in this, uh, next, this verse, Behold with a great plague... And he says in verse fifty, "And thou shalt have great sickness by disease of thy bowels, until thy bowels fall out by reason of the sickness day by day." That don't even sound good, does it, Sharon? That sounds gross. That sounds kind of like AIDS, doesn't it? Or some kind of serious cancer. I mean, cancer works on you like that, doesn't it? Isn't that awful? And you shall have a great sickness by disease of your bowels until your bowels fall out by reason of the sickness day by day. This was spoken thousands of years ago. Next verse. Moreover, the Lord stirred up against Jehoram the spirit of the Philistines and of the Arabians that were near the Ethiopian. Now who, what? Back up there one time. And the Lord stir. who stirred this up? The Lord stirred up the spirit of the Philistines. Remember, do you think God can move on a nation that's unholy and cause their spirits to attack another nation? It says right there, He can, doesn't it? So who's in control of everything? The king. Do you want to please the king? I do. I don't want him to stir up nothing against me. Okay, Dave, now the next one. And they came up into Judah and break into it and carried away all the substance that was found in the king's house and his sons, also his wives, so that there was never a son left him, save Jehoshat, the youngest of his sons. Now, who caused all this to happen? Why did God do this? Because of their disobedience, their sin. It's pretty awesome. And the next verse says... And after all this, the Lord smote him in his bowels with an incurable disease. Who, who smote the king with an incurable disease in his bowels? The Lord. So when somebody tells you, God would never put sickness and disease upon you, are you convinced yet that God does this? I mean, to me, it's pretty clear. I mean, after all, the king's in control, isn't he? Who is it you have to make happy? The Lord if you make the Lord happy, will He command the blessings to come upon you? Yes, yes. Now, that part we like, don't we? But we want the blessings to be commanded upon us, but we want to go out and live like we want to live. We want to go home and watch the soap operas and the junk on television and spend no time with God, but we want to turn that tube on four or five hours a day every day and watch the murder and killing and all that stuff. And you want to know why the devil you're going to come to your house? Hey, because God's going to move on the Spirit's of the people that's going to come against you because you're not serving Him. He said it right here, didn't He, Rosemary? And after all this, the Lord smote Him in His bowels with an incurable disease. And the next verse, and it came to pass that in the process of time, after the end of two years, now does that sound like cancer? In other words, it didn't happen overnight, did it, Sharon? Sure. It took two years for this to kill Him. After the course of two years, at the end of two years, his bowels fell out. By reason of his sickness, so he died of a sore disease. That sure sounds like cancer to me, don't you, Ty? Well, it's, you
1: know, don't you call cancer yeah, yeah, but that's
0: one of them, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you being a doctor, you understand a whole lot more about this than I do. But all I know, this sounds bad. It's bad. Okay. It's bad. Now, let's let's come back down to the fact now. Under the New Covenant, how are we going to stop this from happening to us as sons and daughters of God? Make Jesus Lord of your life Amen. and put the Lord first. Amen. Is that right, Dave? When you when you seek God and put Him first and walk holy and oppressed, you can get healed anything, can't you? Amen. Amen. See, Dave knows that better than anybody. Uh, huh? Oh, okay, okay. Okay, Ty wants to add something here to the end. And of course, we're to, I'm at the end of the Scripture I was going to go through tonight, so no problem. So. All,
1: all of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to an individual, to an individual prophet. The anointing came on just that individual person. And they're the ones that were responsible for teaching others. Jesus died on the cross for one reason set you free and to, that His Holy Spirit would come. And His Holy Spirit is who's here today. And He tells you over and over and over in the New Testament, if you could get to heaven by obeying the laws, then Christ died for nothing. Right. He died for one reason, so that His Holy Spirit could come up on each one of you. And so when you disobey the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit's telling you not to do this, that's that's when problems begin, and if you keep ignoring him and keep keep ignoring him, keep hurting his feelings, keep grieving him, then the problems start getting worse and worse. Daddy don't want any of you to perish, none of you to perish. Amen. And so if he brings something up on you sometimes, so that he can get you to heaven, and it takes a disease to make you repent and come back to him, then he's going to do it. But it's not because He's mean. He loves you. And it's just like whenever I had to give a, uh, a spanking to my children, I didn't want to do it. And if there was any way I could get around it, I would. I'd tell Cheryl to do it.
0: You <laughs> <laughs> want a daddy. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But if I had to, I'd do it. But if I could, I'd always get Cheryl to. Them. And, you know, the Lord's saying, Well, He loves you, and He doesn't want to give you a spanking. Sometimes He has to just to get your attention. And he's like doing it for one reason. He didn't want any of us to perish. He wants all of us to come into His kingdom with Him. So just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because, see, the Holy Spirit's a gift that all of you have. And Paul talks about it in Galatians, the first chapter. He says, hey, when the anointing of the Holy Spirit came up on me, I went into the wilderness, and I let the Holy Spirit teach me everything. Amen. And then after three years, I came back, and I began telling people what the Lord had taught me. So it took him three years to become sensitive enough, sensitive enough to listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, when I when I see the Lord do miracles and signs and wonders, it's always it's always with, with a person who's sensitive and willing to listen, and who's trying and crying out. You know, I I told you, you know, it was a. One time I preached a sermon in here, but it was it was about he'll give you a little bit, and if you're faithful with that, he'll give you more. Amen. So so when you you know be bold, be bold, and when the Holy Spirit's telling you go pray for that person, go pray for him, but don't you know don't go condemning them. go loving them. because the everything goes through love, everything goes through love, the same way Daddy loves you and he wouldn't hurt you. That's the way the Lord wants you to be toward these people.
0: You know, one other thing I'll say right quick, uh, that God loves us. Even though He loves us still, uh, our bodies, there will be things that will happen to our bodies. And, of course, uh, uh, I've had several little things happen over the years. Of, you know, something that happened, I'd stand by faith or getting bit by a spider or whatever. But just the, the last two or three weeks, I had a, something come up on the top of my head right there. And uh, every time I'd comb, I'd tear it off. And it started bleeding. In fact, I, when I went to get a haircut the other day, I kind of, you know, I really hadn't prayed that much over it. I thought, oh, well, it's just a little, I raised up under something and, and hit my head. And so I really hadn't been praying over it. I mean, I said, oh, it's, it's going to get okay. And so I went to get a haircut the other day, and the guy said, hey, what's wrong with your head right here? I said, well, I don't know. I got a little bump back there. I said, I hit it when I comb my hair, and it kind of knocks it loose, and sometimes it bleeds. He said, well, it looks like a great big red spot there. So, I come, when we come to church Sunday, I told Ty, I said, look at my hair. What do you think this is? He said, well, it looks like it's infected. He said, it looks like a, I don't know what you called it. it was a
1: tumor,
0: so uh, she said no. Yeah, so, okay, he told me, he said, it's a little tumor up there that's on your head. And I said, well, good grief, if it's a tumor going up there, let's curse that thing and get rid of it. So, man, he pounced on me like a duck on a june bug, you know, <laughs> you know and he's cursing that thing and commanded to leave, and I'm in agreement with him. We did that Sunday night. I woke up Monday morning and that thing completely gone. It ain't even there. (laughs) He looked at it tonight. It ain't there, is it, Ty? It's totally gone. But it was big It had a very big old red spot around it and everything else. But man, when we come together walking obedience to God's Word, that's how much the Lord loves us today. When something tries to attack our bodies, He give us the Holy Spirit to jump on these things and kick them out so we don't have to be sick today. You know, so when the enemy comes against us, all we got to do is repent of our sins and walk holy before God and stand on His word, and He lets our bodies get healed. And I, I just stand in awe, even myself, when when we did what we did. I had a great big old, pretty big Sunday after night when we prayed and rebuked that thing. And when I woke up Monday morning, I reached up there and, and I thought, Wow, Lord, you're awesome. Took my comb, run I said, Wow, that thing ain't even there. It's not even a bump. And you know, you know, here, here's what you want to say. I can't believe it. (laughs) That's what what the flesh wants to say. I can't believe it happened so quick. But I know it can happen that quick. I know with God, you know, that He can take that Holy Spirit. And He loves us so much. that He don't want none of us to be sick. He wants all of us to walk in obedience to His Word. And when we walk in obedience to His Word, even after we don't walk in obedience to His Word, when we get sick and afflicted, I mean, He loves us so much when we repent. And come back to God. And we pray, He heals us. And we love that too, don't we? Yes, all of us. I'm looking at these two my favorite girl right here and one of my next favorite girls right there. All you girls are my favorite girls. But I think about my honey bunny, how God healed her, you know, and all the things He's healed her of. And I think of all the different things that was wrong with her, you know. I mean, how we prayed over those. And He's healed them all. And then I look right back there, there's Sharon, and I think about what all was wrong with her three and a half years ago, and today she's totally healed. And many of you, he, when you came to Him in faith and repented of your sins, He loved you so much, He wanted to heal you. But He couldn't as long as you are walking that sin. But when you got rid of that sin, then He could heal you. And walking in divine health better than walking in sickness. We all know that. So, Father, we thank You and praise You for the beauty of Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that You're the awesome God. And Lord, we thank You for the new covenant we have, that we're covered in the blood of Jesus. And when we repent of our sins, You're righteous and just to forgive our sins and to restore us. And You promise You forgive all of our iniquities when we ask, then You heal all of our diseases. But Lord, we want to ask You to show us how to walk holy in obedience to Your Word so we don't ever have to be healed again, so we can just walk in divine health. Lord, I believe with all heart that's your plan for your church. Help us to walk there. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.